With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to Let's Talk Jets Radio. everybody and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Jets Radio. This is one of your hosts Tyson Roush and want to welcome everybody aboard as we have a lot to talk about. We have a special guest joining us, Tony Richardson. We'll evaluate the draft class, look at the roster, we'll do all kinds of things. So without further ado, I'll introduce my co-host Joe from Long Beach. What's up man? Hey how's it going Tyson man? I can't wait. I'm ready to get into all this stuff. Ready to talk Jets man. Let's go. Yeah, you know, Joe, there is a lot to talk about from Mahana Wilkerson's contract to this notion that Bryce Petty is going to you know, compete with Geno Smith this year to, you know, all kinds of things in terms of competition at running back, competition in the secondary, on the offensive line. So there's definitely a lot to cover. But before we get started, before we bring on Tony Richardson, the one thing I want to talk to you, Joe, about is, is Bryce Petty. And, you know, everybody we've talked to, whether it was Jeff Lloyd, Ron Pickett, every analyst we've communicated with, they, they liked the selection. They said it made sense in the fourth round. But the only guy he's competing with is Matt Sims. I mean, and that's it. I mean, it, it's a good story, but he's got a lot of work to do. So for me, it's so premature and absolutely ridiculous to even have him in the picture as a starting, a starting quarterback this year. Blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. And this is just something I said before. You know, a lot of fans, a lot of people hitting me up. It's like, listen, he's not ready. He's not going to be ready this year. I, I highly doubt that. So let's just all taper our expectations and give this kid a chance to grow. Give this kid a chance to learn the game, and then we'll see where he comes along. Give him a chance to develop. Often we throw our quarterback to the fire way too early, and we see what happens. It's like we don't learn from history here. We have to give this kid a chance, let him learn the game from the bench, let him, you know, study under the, under our offensive coordinator, let him get the system, and then, boom, he's, he's going to be in and he's going to have his time. But right now, it's not the time. It really isn't. 
You know, and, and the thing is, too, I agree with you. And the thing is, too, the Geno Smith hatred out there is real. I, I mean, I see it every day on Twitter. I have, I've had a, a couple guys tell me, cut Geno, keep Matt Sims. I mean, I, the Geno Smith hatred is real. And, I, and I, I don't, I mean, I get it. I understand. He hasn't played well. He's going into his third year with a coordinator that maximizes the potential of his quarterback. I mean, Chan Gailey puts you in a position to succeed. Cordell Stewart, Tyler Thickman. He made Ryan Fitzpatrick a $50 million man. I mean, so before we throw away Geno Smith, which would be pure stupidity, let's give the kid a chance in Chan Gailey's system. And save me the whole, you said the same thing with Mark Sanchez. We did, but they're still young quarterbacks. And this, this was my concern, Joe, if we picked up Mariota. If this, is, if this is the kind of surge we're getting with, with Bryce Petty as a fourth-round pick, could you imagine Mariota being here? I mean, it would be complete chaos. I was so glad when he got picked. <laughs> Number two, I'm telling you, I did backflips in, in, in my house. I'm not lying to you. I was so glad he was gone and off the board so that I wouldn't have to hear things like that. Um, you know, Gino, has, has he played well? Uh, not necessarily. Everyone knows I'm not necessarily in love with Gino, but I do know that he's shown flashes. And there are other things that have gone on with his team that have also hindered his growth as well. I mean, when you're throwing to guys like Stephen Hill and Clyde Gates, I mean, these dudes aren't world beaters out here, okay? When, when you're having issues about, about your receiving core and then you finally get something and it's sputtering and things are not going well for you and then, you know, things, you know schemes may not fit you as well, you, you, have, to, you have to look at all of that in, in totality to kind of break down what's going on with Geno Smith. Now, could he play better? Absolutely. Well, this is his time now. This is the last – this is it for him. But if you look at Geno, he's putting in the work to get better. He's worked in the offseason with coaches. He's working with Brandon Marshall in the offseason. He's working to get the offensive scheme down and, you know, working with Chan Gailey as well to get the scheme going and starting to understand how things are supposed to work and go. It's just like you have to give this guy a chance. The Geno hate, it definitely is real, and I'm just worried about how people – you know, really think about this quarterback competition. And let's, let's give Gino a chance. And, again, if, if Gino isn't the guy that, that, that takes the job, then it's going to be Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick is another guy that we can look at that, you know, is a very capable veteran backup quarterback that can come in, take the reins, and do what he needs to do and lead this team as well. So let's just all relax. Bryce Petty is not in the conversation. He's not going to start. And that's just that. Yeah, no, I agree. And you know what 2015 is for Geno Smith? The year of no excuses. That, that, that is, mm-hmm. for me, my take is, listen, if you want to dwell on the last two years with uh, Marty Mornowegg and Rex Ryan, I, I'm, I'm done with the last two years. I don't even care. You have a coordinator that's going to help you, and you are surrounded by weapons everywhere. Marshall, Decker, Curley, Smith now, a, a speech to receiver. You have a stable of running backs that can just completely pound the rock. You have Jason Morrow. You're surrounded by weapons. You have a coordinator that's going to help you. 2015 is the year of no excuses for Geno Smith, but until then, I- I'm supporting him. I'm hoping he plays well. I mean, if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick is the guy, if he beats him out in a fair competition, so be it. The Geno's the backup. It's still not Bryce Petty. So for me, to cut him is just ridiculous to, you know, I mean, you're not going to trade him. That's not going to happen. I'm not sure what his value would be. But, I mean, a lot of that is just – it's just so – I mean, the Joe, the tweets I get about him, the hatred is real, and I just hope that he comes out and shows off and does his thing and has everybody eating crow. The, the, the second big story is, you know, we have Ron Pickett this weekend on, on Sunday evaluating the draft class, and Leonard Williams was the number one pick, and, you know, he fell in the Jets' hands. If you go by the best player available – 
he was a no-brainer. I mean, it's just he's he was considered by many to be the best player in the draft, and you're getting him at six. The problem is now you have an abundance of riches on a defensive line. So what was your take on that, Joe? I thought it was an excellent pick. Uh, just because you have an abundance of guys on the defensive line doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I have, I have no issue with us taking Leonard Williams at six. Like you said, he was a steal. He fell, and we got him. And, boy, did we get one heck of, of a defensive line in here. I think this is going to be a line that you're not going to be able to run on. I mean, our line was stout last year, but it's going to get even more stout. And with guys like Muhammad and Sheldon and, 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 and Williams, and you're also going to be able to put Harrison down there. We're going to see – just a ton of different fronts. You're going to see four. You're going to see three. You're going to see guys be able to come out of the game, get blows. You're going to see you're going to see defensive linemen in the fourth quarter that are going to be able to last. You're going to see guys not tired because the rotation is going to be so meaty. You're going to see a line this year that is going to be so stout. It's going to be crazy, and I'm absolutely excited about it. And, and I can't wait to see this kid develop into this just monstrous D, defensive lineman that I think he's going to be. No, I agree. I mean, there, there's no way to look past it other than saying it's a great pick. The amount of flexibility Todd Bowles is going to have with his defensive line, like you said, the rotations. Um, you know, I think he's not going to. I mean, he's not going to be a starter. He's going to see significant reps, probably sixty percent of the reps, I would say. And and you know, and it's going to make guys like Leisure Doosable even more explosive. I mean, because now these guys are all coming in fresh. They're all fighting for. I mean, they're fighting for competition. I mean, they got they're fighting for reps. They're fighting for playing time. They're fighting for roster spots. You name it, they're doing it. So the defensive line is going to be is it obviously an obvious strength for the team. But here's the issue. What about Muhammad Wilkerson now? Because now it's like, all right, you know, he didn't go to he didn't go to voluntary camp. Is he gonna is he gonna hold out for training camp? What do the Jets do? Do the Jets still try to find money to resign him, or are they gonna say, you know what, you play out this year, maybe we'll franchise you next year, maybe we'll trade you next year, but this year you're staying status quo with your contract. What do you do with Muhammad Wilkerson? Here's what you do with Muhammad Wilkerson: you work to get him resigned. Just because you went out and got Leonard Williams, this is another thing I say when fans talk to me on social media, is get rid of Muhammad. Let's get rid of him right now. Trade him. Absolutely not. This is still one of the top defensive linemen in the league. He's a top five, you know, end in this league. Don't, no doubt about it, okay? So you work to get him resigned. But while you're doing that, again, he's got time around this kid. He can help him develop. you got too solid, you know, you got too much of a solid defensive line here to try to break it up. You work to get Muhammad Wilkerson signed, and you do everything you can up until the last minute. If he walks, that's fine. You still got Williams. You still got a guy that's had a year or two under his belt that's going to be, you know, decently developed, and you can start him as well. That's the beauty in the pick is that it gives us it gives us flexibility. Like you said, if if we can't get Muhammad signed and we work until the last second, he does end up walking and going to another team. Well, we still have Leonard Williams here, who by then should be a guy that is stout, that's in the rotation, that's worked, and should be a decent defensive, defensive lineman here. So it gives us a lot of flexibility, but that doesn't mean that you don't re-sign Muhammad Wilkerson. It doesn't mean that you trade him. It doesn't mean that you cut ties with him. You still work to get that done because with him, man, we're one heck of a defensive line. I agree. I, I think the way I look at it now is enjoy this year with him. That, that's the way I'm looking mm-hmm. at it. Hope there is no snafus where he doesn't go to camp or he comes into camp late because you know how it is. When you go to camp late, chances are you usually get hurt, and that's just history dictates that. So you hope he gets into camp on time. They kind of work something out. My, my belief all along was that he was going to get re-signed. Leonard Williams kind of throws a curveball into it now. 
But, I, I mean, I'm hoping that it gets re-signed. But, see, what this year becomes now is almost like a trial year for everybody. It's like, okay, Todd Bowles could put in his defense. How does Leonard Williams play? How does he play, first of all? Does he live up to expectations? How does Damon Harrison fit into the system? How does everybody fit? I mean, Sheldon, you know, he's going to be due for a contract soon, too. So it's, there's a lot of moving parts. But my, my initial instinct is let's enjoy this year. It's, it's, a, you know, it's a tryout year for Leonard Williams to see how, he's gonna be, how effective he's going to be. and Is he going to be a star or not? You get what you can out of Mo, and then next year, see what happens. I mean, I mean, Joe, I've been a longtime Jeff fan, and I've been through it all where, you know, I said, you know what, Keyshawn Johnson will never get traded. John Abraham will never leave here. Darrell Revis will never get traded. Guess what happened with all of them? They were no longer New York Jets. So, you know, we, we as fans become so attached to a player just because they're time served and their productivity and all these things, and I would hate to see Mo go. I mean, I, I love the guy as a player on and off the field. But history dictates, Joe, that this is going to happen. I mean, money talks and players walk. That, that's what you, you know what I mean? That's just the nature of the beast. So for me initially is I can't worry about next year. I'll worry about this year, and this year he's on the team. He's not going nowhere. You know I mean, he's not getting traded now. So it's enjoy this year, and we'll deal with Mo next year if he doesn't get re-signed. Yeah, absolutely, and, that, and that's a good, good way to take it. That's a good take on it. I, just, I think we'll definitely personally think that we will get him re-signed. Um, oh, all, all things speak to, speak to that we will. Um, he's even come out and said, even some of his family members have come out and said that he's willing to take a pay cut to stay with the Jets. Uh, that was even before the before the draft happened. Um, but I just, I, I, I'd love to have him here. It would definitely hurt me if Mo left. Because um, like I said, I think he's one of the best defensive ends in the league. Um, but I, I just think that with him and, and with Williams, we just have such a, a stout line. I, I really just want to see how Bowles implements his scheme to fit these guys though. I want to see how how he gets you know, how he puts these pieces in place and how he gets these guys to, to maximize their talent in his scheme. That's something I want to see out of Bowles this year is how he puts guys in place because Williams is a guy that can definitely play different spots on the line. That that's one of my that's one of my big things about Leonard Williams and one of the reasons why I was just I'm telling you, I, I ran outside, I was screaming, I was in my, my Jets jersey screaming outside because he is so versatile. He can play so many different positions on the line. It just, it just was an absolute deal at that pick. And, and with that, like I said. Still- what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. He'll keep the Muhammad in mind, and, and, and he's here this year, and hopefully he'll help develop Leonard as well. It's just, it's just one heck of a problem to have, a really good problem to have when you have so many quality defensive linemen on one team. No, I agree. And the other notion is once they signed them, everybody was saying, you know what, the Jets have got to play a four-man front. Go to the 4-3 defense, all that. And that sounds great on paper, 
but they don't have the linebackers to do the four three defense. I mean, you know, you, it doesn't it just doesn't work instantly work like that. And they're saying, well, then, then try a five man front. All these different things, they're built for the three four right now. That it's just what they are. So I'm with you. I'm hoping that Todd Bowles, you know. He's, his track record says in Arizona that he accommodated his defense to his players. You know, he adapted everything and maximized all their potential. So I think Leonard Williams will find a way. To, they're going to obviously incorporate him in there, but I still think it's going to be a lot of three, four fronts. Even Ron Pickett agreed with us on Sunday saying the same thing. So it's going to be de- very, uh, definitely very interesting. But, Joe, before we go into our next pick, we have a very special guest on the line, and, and this is Tony Richardson, a man who's a, a respected you know. Ex- I'm sorry, respected member of the NFL, played 16 seasons, you know, a leader on and off the field, and arguably one of the best fullbacks in NFL history. So, Tony Richardson, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks so much for uh, having me on tonight. Tony, we definitely appreciate your time, man. And as you can expect, Jets Nation is excited between the draft and the offseason and everything else. Yeah, this has been uh, – I, I was fortunate enough to uh, – do the pick for the uh, for the fourth round and was out with all the fans and uh, just to see the excitement uh, in the building. You know, I had a chance to spend some time with you know some of the coaches that were floating around and for an office people and obviously getting out with the fans is just an excitement that that really hasn't been around the organization in a long time and so it's very exciting to be a part of it and I think uh, Jet fans are gonna be pretty gonna be on the field this year. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, it seems like you know Todd Bowles and Mike McCagden have instilled that accountability and discipline and hard work, which is, which is something that's music to all of our ears. Our first question for you is, you know, as a player coming from like Kansas City, Minnesota, how much of a change of it was for you to come to New York under like that the media market, the spotlight, and everything else? Yeah, it was, it was definitely different. Just uh, I think it really, you know, really hit me when um, you know we went to our first. Uh, uh, opportunity to go to AFC Championship game, and you just don't realize, you know, the amount of media that's actually in New York until your your entire locker room is full, where you can't even get to your own locker. But you know, it's just kind of one of those things. If you just learn how to to manage it, and I think it was for me, I think it was better that I was at a at a later point in my career and a lot more mature in my career. Because uh, as a young guy, it could be a lot. I mean, if there's especially a guy that's coming in as a first round pick like a Sanchez there, that the high expectations and having to deal with that media pressure. But uh, you know, once you get in and start playing football. And just understanding that it's a job. Yeah, you're in a large market, but you know you can only control things that are in your control, and just go and go and get some work done. Yeah, I agree, and especially playing under a coach like Rex Ryan. What was it like that when he kind of put a bullseye on all you guys? Where it was like you know his, his very he had like a swagger and he's very confident and was kind of outspoken. What was it like playing under Rex in that kind of environment? Uh, you know, Rex was great, and like I said, you have to be very mature to have a coach like Rex Ryan because. You know, he does kind of give you a lot of freedom. Where with Mantini, we were, you know, like I said, I came to New York, and, you know, all of a sudden they're like, oh, you got to do media training. And I'm like, uh, media training? I'm like, for what? <laughs> so, but, you know, it's just one of those things that was necessarily not necessarily trying to control you. We're just making sure that there was one message coming out of the locker room at all times. Uh, and then dealing with Rex, you know, it was kind of like, you know, be yourself, uh, speak your mind. Um, and, you know, you have, to, and you have to be able to be able to manage that because you just you don't need to have, 15 to 20 or 30 different messages coming out of your locker room. And so, you know, it was that's where the veteran leadership, we really had to step up and just kind of, you know, kind of maybe pull some young guys back or, you know, just kind of say, hey, you know, let's just get focused back on playing football and put all the trash talking. And so, but it was fun. I mean, it was, it was great playing for Rex. And, uh, you know, obviously he's still a really good friend of mine today. Yes, hello, Tony. My name is Joe. I want to welcome you to the show as well. Uh, what were kind of some of the things that you would do in the offseason to prepare yourself for the season? 
Uh, you know, for me, I'm obviously a, a really big fitness guy. I'm still really heavily into fitness now. Uh, you know, I just believe of, of having a team of people around you. So, you know, I would do everything from massage therapy, uh, the chiropractor, uh, have my own nutritionist. Um, and just really work really hard. I just I believe that you get up, you know, super early in the morning and, and get your workout in before before your day starts. It, it just kind of jump starts your, your your entire day. So I was a guy that really believed in off season of working out twice a day. And just uh, you know, I believe that where some guys are out doing different things that while they were out partying and doing things like that, I was taking care of my business and trying to prepare myself for the upcoming season. So um, you know, I think I was fortunate because when I came into the National Football League, I came into a locker room with you know, uh, Dallas Cowboys in 1995 when they had just come off back-to-back Super Bowls. That's 1994, back-to-back Super Bowls. So I, I thought, you know, a guy like Emmitt Smith, how he prepared week in and week out. And then coming to Kansas City, had Marcus Allen. So you're talking about two guys that played for a long period of time that really helped me, um, you know, prepare as a, as a, as a, uh, as a young player. And did did film study impact your preparedness? Did you did you do a lot of film study during the off season as well? Yeah, you know you you, you do a lot of film study probably more so during during the season just because it allows you to uh, uh, during the season it allows you to uh, you know kind of focus on your opponent. But one thing I would do you know in the off season was I would go back and watch all of our our game tapes for the previous year, and I would have my coaches just kind of like you know tell me things that I could do better. Um, things that I can improve on, and then the things I did well to see how figure out how I can build on. So uh, that's that's where film study really comes to play because you know until you really know what what style of offense you're running or your game plan, it's kind of hard to start studying different teams and different opponents. Um, you can only pretty, pretty much to try to get yourself better, and then once you start installing the game plan, then you kind of fit yourself into that into that mold and see how you fit into what you know the team is ultimately trying to do. Yes, and what you just spoke about was the fact that you know. You had the coaches tell you what you did right, what you did wrong, and kind of prepare you. Uh, one of the things that Jason Maru and players like Willie Colon as well came out and they spoke about Rex, and he wasn't. He was kind of guilty of not holding players accountable and not making sure that they were ready. Is that the same way that you kind of felt about Rex when you played with him? No, because you know my thing is uh, my my mind was different just because I think I was at a different point in my career, and I just feel it, I really believe like you got to hold yourself accountable because this is your job. I mean, it's not. You know, when you're in college, uh, you know, it's just a tad bit different. But when you're in the National Football League, this is your responsibility to make sure you're ready to play, you know, week in and week out. And so for me, I kind of took it upon myself to be ready. Um, and then, just, you know, obviously you can always get feedback on, on your performance and things of that nature. But, um, you know, it just, you know, I can't, I, I don't fault Rex for that at all because I just, like I said, I, go, I was at a different point in my career. Um, so it, uh, you know, so I think I was, from a, from a maturity standpoint, you know, I knew how to get myself prepared. I knew I knew if I didn't play well. So a coach didn't really have to tell me, you know, how I graded out on the film because ultimately I knew if I didn't play well, if I didn't grade out well. We're talking with Tony Richardson, a, a former member of the New York Jets and arguably one of the best fullbacks in the history of the NFL. Tony, my question for you is kind of piggybacking off what we just talked about is as a respected leader on and off the field, how do you take ownership of the locker room in terms of if you see a player that's kind of not living up to expectations, maybe not putting in the work, do you take it upon yourself to kind of pull them aside and say, hey, man, you know, try to make these meetings or maybe try to work out this? Or do you kind of go to the coaches? Like, how does that, how does that whole locker room etiquette work? No, you know, for me, I, I think I came into an environment, like I said, when I was with the Cowboys, and, and the players held, held each other accountable. Like, uh, I, you know, my first year there, uh, Barry Switzer was our head coach. And, uh, you know, he was his first time being a, a head coach in the National Football League. But guys like Michael Irvin and Troy Smith and Emmett, 
Like, if we were a young guy, we messed up in practice, or we were late to a meeting or anything like that, they dealt with it. And that was the last thing. I think when you get it coming from a player and one of your peers, then that that's, that kind of burns you a little bit more. I mean, coaches, they, they do it, and they find you and do all that kind of stuff. But when you get it from uh, one of your peers and when you're, all your teammates are looking at you, you know, when you're not taking care of your business, that's when it really affects you. So, for me, from that standpoint, I always wanted to be a leader, and I would grab a young guy and not try to embarrass him or anything like that. But I'm like, you know, by you messing up, you're messing up our opportunity to win, and you're messing up our opportunity to be successful week in and week out. And you're either going to get on the program or we're going we're gonna to have to do something about it. So, um, you know, that's kind of how I pretty much handle the situation. I know throughout your career the NFL changed a lot. Um, how do you feel about the NFL, uh, the fullback position in the NFL? You know, p- different people kind of saying it's become extinct. How do you feel that the position has evolved? Uh, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely changed just because, you know, it's a lot more spread offense now. I think there's, you know, different quarterbacks, um, you know, in the league. So I think it's, it's definitely different. But, um, you know, I think it's starting to come back. I'm not going to say it's coming all the way, all the way around, but I do think that, um, you know, that – that you know, because it, I started to see it when teams started to draft. Uh, when teams started to draft tight ends that were you know 245 pounds, 242, and now they're you know running around like fullbacks. I'm like, hey, this is this, this is kind of weird. <laughs> but I just kind of saw the evolution. But I, I do think I think it's coming back around. I, I was happy to you know I was fortunate enough to work with the uh, the running backs this year down at the combine and to see Fowler to see Fowler get drafted from uh, from Alabama to Tennessee in the fourth round. Uh, where, you know, this is kind of a crazy year this year because we had two first-round running backs and then have Fowler going to fourth round where we don't see fullbacks drafted at all. I think it's definitely a shift in understanding that teams that win. I mean, you look at, you know, obviously Seattle didn't win the Super Bowl, but you look at a team that got that far and they had a great running attack. And uh, even through that, the Patriots had a great running attack. So I think teams realize in order to win, you know, in January and February, you have to be able to run the football. Exactly. I'm wondering how do you feel about the Jets' current running back situation with the five running backs that we have on the roster? Uh, you know, I think I think that's fact. I mean, obviously Chris Johnson probably obviously won't be back, but um, you know, I, I like his running back. You know, I, I kind of was a fan just as being a former running back, but I felt like you know, in order to help you know Geno out last year, I think the running back should have been a bigger part of the offense. Um, you know, just because you have a young quarterback and you know, especially on first and second down. Uh, you know, you know. Obviously, from my standpoint, I'm not second guessing the coaching, but you know, I do believe that you get into a rhythm. You run the football, run the football. Maybe hit your tight end. Maybe run a simple pattern. So I think that running back this position is stacked. These guys run hard, um, and so I'm expecting a, you know a big year out of them. Yeah, Tony. Speaking of running backs, oh, I'm sorry, Tony. Speaking of running backs, you had the opportunity to you know block for Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, Adrian Peterson, Thomas Jones. What was it like blocking for all these premier running backs? Uh, you know, it was great. You know, for me, it's, I, I always consider myself an extension of the offensive line. So, um, you know, it was, you know, for me to see those guys have the success they did in their career uh, and just and just know I had a little bit to do with that was, was pretty special. So, uh, you know, and the good thing about a running back relationship, you just build like a straight – you build a great friendship. And so, uh, you know, I became really good friends with all my tailbacks. We still remain friends to this day. So, uh, you know, I know if I did my job and they went out and had big days, that ultimately we were going to, you know, because if you have a good running attack and you run the ball well, it translates into victories no matter how you how you slice it up. Yeah, I agree with you. And speaking of a running attack, the running attack always supports the quarterback. So the big the big, the big issue with the Jets, it seems like a yearly issue, is is the quarterback position. What is your take on Geno Smith? Uh, you, know, I, you know, right now I think there's just not enough body of work for Geno. Um, you know, if, if he's given a full – year this year to potentially start, then I think you can judge him after this year. 
you know, he's a young quarterback. Young quarterbacks make a lot of mistakes. I mean, you look at Peyton Manning, you look at Eli Manning, you look at, you know, most quarterbacks in their first and second year, they, they lead the league in interceptions. Um, and I think that, you know, Gino has all the skills to, to be very successful. And now with the added talent around him, I, mean, I think Brandon Marshall, I mean, everybody in the organization is just raving that he's here um, from a leadership standpoint, number one. But number two, just a big play receiver. And so I think, uh, you know, that's only going to help him out. So now there's no excuses. If he's the starting quarterback, you have a solid offensive line, you have wide receivers, you have running backs, you have, a, uh, you know, a tight end that can make plays. So really it comes down to the quarterback now. And if he can't get a job done this year, then you know, there'll definitely be a change. Yeah, I think we both definitely agree with you. And I guess the follow-up to that is, you know, the Jets drafted Bryce Petty, which in the fourth round, he's more of a project quarterback. But do you think this environment now with the Jets is so tough with the fans and the media want to see a rookie quarterback the minute Gino struggles? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I guess that's just part of it. The best thing is every place. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I've ever been. The fan's best friend is the backup quarterback. That's, I don't care if you have a rookie or if you have a veteran or whoever, it's just that's, you know, any kind of guy that's struggling. I mean, you look at the situation where uh, Tom Brady went to uh, Kansas City this year and, and got whooped by the Chiefs next week. They're talking about they need to put the backup in if Tom Brady's done, and he goes out and wins another Super Bowl. So that's just part of it. That's just the ebb and flow of, you know, people with opinions and uh, armchair quarterbacks. And so it, uh, that's just the nature of the beast. Um, as Geno struggles out the gate, of course, people are going to be calling for his job, but like I said, I just don't think there's enough of a body of work right now to kind of judge him um, based on some of the things that, you know, now there's there's pieces in place and there's a date, there's a defense behind him, there's skilled people on, on around him, and uh, it's really up to him to make the most of it this year. As a veteran player, how would you handle the Muhammad Wilkerson contract situation if you were him? Uh, you know, I think everybody, you know, that's one thing I never did. I never got into other people's contract. I mean, everybody has to do – what they have to do for themselves. And so I think, you know, you have representatives that you pay extremely well and uh, you listen to them. And if you feel like they're giving you the best advice for you, then that's what you have to do. So, uh, you know, I never had a contract debate or anything like that. Whenever, you know, it was time to get a contract done, we always negotiated and got it done. So it's uh, ultimately just listen to your listen to your people. And that's, if that's something you want to do, you do. And obviously, you know, I was there with Revis through his deal and he, he came back and got all of it done the right way. So, uh, you know, you don't, this, this game only lasts for so long, and so you definitely have to make the right decisions. So, you know, that, that's going to benefit you and your family in the long run. You mentioned the Rebus situation. Does, that, does the contract things does that become a distraction in the locker room, is that, or is that more media-generated? Yeah, it's not a distraction in the locker room just because, you know, guys understand it, and we understand as NFL players that we, uh, we could be gone and cut at any particular time. And so – 
whenever, you know, whenever you have to take care of your business. And that's just part of it. That's a business. I mean, you know, it's not, you're not on scholarship anymore. So you have to, that's with any job. If you're, if you're going from, you know, uh, one position to the CEO, you're going to get paid like the CEO. And you want to make sure you get the best benefits and the best contract you could possibly can. So it never becomes a distraction because guys understand what it's about. And just understand that you, you can't start speaking out against your teammates because one day you're going to be potentially in that situation. So uh, you just support your guys and we don't talk about it. Uh, because the only thing we can do is compare with the guys that are there. And uh, when everyone shows up, that's when we go to work. Yeah, no doubt. And once again, we're talking with Tony Richardson, a former fullback for the New York Jets. Tony, what is your initial impressions of of Todd Bowles and Mike McCagden? They seem to be all about, like you said, a team environment, hard work, accountability, discipline. What is your take on on both these guys? Everything the same. I was actually uh, fortunate enough to do the interviews when when they first got hired and, uh, you know, I sat down with both of them and, and just kind of got that feel that, that they're about business and it's not going to be a lot of talking. Um, you know, it's not going to be a lot of not necessarily showboating. They're just about business and they're going to be, you know, hold each other. Not one thing I think is exciting is the fact they're both, this is the first time opportunity and they know that they're kind of tied at the hip and that if one, one succeeds, they both succeed. And they, if one fails, the other one fails. So I think when you have that, you have that level of uh, accountability, I think it's, it's, uh, it's pretty great for everybody. Yes, when you played, did a running back style ever impact how you block for him, or was it all about just taking care of the assignment on the play? It's just everybody's different. I think, you know, each running back I had was, was different. So it's, you know, when I blocked for, you know, a year I split time with Adrian, not Adrian Peterson, but with uh, Larry Johnson and Priest Holmes, it was different because they were two different styles of running back where Priest was more slow to the hole in the inverse and LJ was more full speed. So it just – it's just about film study and studying with those guys and then just making sure we got on the field we were on the same page. Tony, we want to definitely thank you for your time tonight. This is an honor talking to you. We, you know, Jeff fans love you as a player, as, as a leader, and everything else. How, how can fans follow you going forward as you, you, know, you analyze the Jets in the NFL? Uh, well, my Twitter account is at uh, 49CRich, and um, my Facebook is uh, Tony Richardson, so it's uh, – Pretty easy to follow, but then also just some some work I do. I, I do the Jets. Uh, uh, I do a Jet show with Janae Coakley on the Concourse. We do a fantasy football show, and I do a lot more stuff. Uh, you know, during the season, so I generally post uh, a lot of my work on my uh, Twitter account. Awesome. We both follow you. We love the work you do, and we respect your work in the NFL. You're, you're a great player for us and for the other teams as well. So thank you for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Thank you. Well, Joe, that was Tony Richardson, and I mean that was a really great spot. He's a guy that I've always I've always respected just because hard work, a leader. And, and you remember when we look back when when he was cut by the Jets and then resigned, the players were downright pissed. They're like, this makes no sense. He's a guy that we need. What are we doing? And then of course they resigned him. So I mean I, I've always respected him, and I think he gave us some pretty good insight tonight. Yeah, absolutely. He said a, a lot of different things, especially about Geno. And giving him time because he didn't have the body of work, and and like you said, even in, during his playing career, guys would come out when he would cut and say, "Hey, this is the guy we need. What's going on?" And when you have guys speaking out like that about a guy, a, another uh, teammate, a guy that's in the locker room, a guy that's battling with him on the field, that's the right. That tells you he's a special player, and he means a lot to those guys. So he was an awesome guy to speak with. Yeah, no doubt. And we're gonna bring on a. a, a... Another special guest, but this one's more in the fan base mode. This is our good friend Panda, who wants to talk to us. We're going to break down the, the, the Jets draft. So, Panda, this is Joe and Tyson. How you doing, man? Uh, hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. Excited after this weekend. How about you guys? 
Joe, we're, we're Panda, we're doing really well, and, and we just talked to Tony Richardson, and he gave us some interesting insight in the draft. What is your, What was your take initially when the Jets took Leonard Williams? Was it kind of like a no-brainer for you, or were you just kind of like, ah, maybe we should try to trade down? Like, What was your initial take on that? Uh, I mean, we were sitting there. I was really banging on the table for Vic Beasley. I know a lot of fans wanted Kevin White. Personally, I wanted Amari Cooper, but, you know, obviously Oakland snatched him up. But uh, I wanted Vic Beasley, so I was a little surprised at first. I was a little confused, but, you know, looking back on it, it's the best player available, and that's how a lot of winning teams approach the draft and are successful in the long run. So, you know, it might not generate a lot of craziness this year, but in the long run it was probably the best move for the team. Yeah, where do you think that he'll fit on that on this defensive line, Panda? How do you think they'll kind of use Leonard Williams? Yeah, honestly, Joe, I have no idea at this point. <laughs> I mean, I, to me, it's just you you have three guys in, in Richardson, Moe, and, and now Williams where I, I kind of look at them as, you know, in, in the 34 on the outside and in the 43 on the inside. Maybe they move Wilkerson to the outside on a four-man line, have Wilkerson and Copels be the end and Richardson and Williams – you know, inside, or or maybe they just kind of ease him into this year. Maybe he isn't on the field for 50 snaps a game. Maybe he's only on the field for 15 to 25 snaps, and it's just a, a constant rotation of fresh bodies. That could be the case, too. I think a combination of the two is what they're going to do. I think four-man lines, you're going to see Wilkerson on the outside. And then, you know, when they're running the base 34 package, and who knows how much you were going to run that today's NFL anymore. But when they do run that, you know, maybe it's just a rotation of him, Richardson, and, and Wilkerson all day. Keep the bodies fresh. Yeah, I, that's that's what I'm thinking as well. Um, I'm, I'm definitely thinking that, that Williams is definitely going to be in the rotation. But we totally agree with Vic Beasley. That was the guy that was on my board, too, that I thought we were going to take until he started sliding. My, I want to I get your thoughts on Devin Smith as well, our next pick. What do you, what do you think we'll get out of him, and do you think that he's going to give us a boost on offense? Yeah, man. I mean, I was on here last week, and you guys asked me who I liked in the second round, and, you know, that's one of the guys I talked about was Smith. And I think, you know, obviously he's not a guy with crazy production in college. I mean, yes, he had a great yards per average and 10, what, 10 touchdowns last year of Ohio State, but only had 32 receptions. So, you know, he, but he's a good talent. He's raw. It's going to take time. But as far as an immediate impact, yeah, I mean, I think on third downs he can come in there, stretch the field, open up some underneath routes for Marshall and Decker, and, and of course, Curley, the forgotten man of our receiving corps, who I'm telling you is going to have a big year this year, and I'll keep saying it for the next four months. But, you know, the field's going to open up for those guys a lot, as well as Jason Morrow. I mean, he's got some scary wide receivers out there if everybody can hang on to the football, and, well, and last but not least, if the quarterback can get them the football. <laughs> yeah, Joe, inter- interesting with Devin Smith is, did you – did you prefer a guy like Tyler Lockett or Jalen Strong, or when they picked him, you're like, that's the best receiver available? Uh, Lockett, I thought, would have been a little too early in the second round. Strong was probably my second option. I really liked Dorsett, which I know you guys liked as well, but, of course, the Colts took him at 28 or 29, whatever it was. So at that point, I thought Smith was the best option. I mean, Strong is a good player, but I kind of view him more of a, as a kind of possession receiver, kind of more in the likes of Decker. Um, or in Marshall in some cases, since Marshall has lost a little speed now that he's older. But I think Smith is what we needed. Smith is a guy who could stretch the field. We didn't have that home to run threat. As much as I like Curley, and he's a shifty guy in the slot, he's really not a fast guy. So, you know, you needed that wide receiver who could stretch the field. It's the first time we've had that since, I don't know, Santana Moss. I mean, it really is. So it's great to have on the roster. It fit a need. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, it definitely fit a need, and you were sitting there, and it's like, wow, you're looking at other other names available, and then you can see what he brings to the table, his athletic ability. It made sense. Now, going to round three, you know, the Jets traded back to get Lorenzo Malden from Louisville. My initial instinct was I didn't like it because you had Duke Johnson there. You had Eli Harold there. Obviously, when you traded back, you missed out on both of them. What was your take first on trading back and then on selecting Malden? Uh, you know, I wasn't really a big Eli Harold fan, so that didn't really upset me. I really did want Duke Johnson. I thought that would have added, just like just like Devin Smith, it would have added another great dynamic to this offense. So I was a little upset about that. But when you read Malden's story about, you know, growing up in 16 foster homes and, you know, all that he's done at Louisville and all that he's overcome, he's an intriguing prospect. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he plays this year. I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to see the field, see the field a lot, probably, you know, 15, 20 snaps a game at max. You know, a guy who maybe comes in for Calvin Pace on third down, obvious passing situations. But, you know, over time, hopefully he can contribute and become a consistent pass rusher for us. And, you know, hey, his hair is awesome. With with Williams and, and Malden, <laughs> our hair game is legit right now. We are legit right now in the hair game. You, you just know the New York Jets marketing team. They'll be selling the, the they'll be selling these wild wacky wigs for forty bucks in the Jet store. Oh, definitely, hundred percent, hundred percent. If you're a PSL holder, though, you get thirty three cents off. It's a great deal. <laughs> Joe, the, the, the question I have for you, it just just, just the piggybacking off that a little bit, is you know what does this do? I mean, the minute they drag the mold, everybody's like, oh, cut Calvin Pace, Jason Babin's gone, this and that, and I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, you know, we get to, it seems like when we get an abundance of talent at one position, everybody wants to cut or trade somebody, which is ridiculous. What, are you, what is your take on Mold in terms of playing time, and do you still see Calvin Pace being the starter and Babin getting significant reps as well? Uh, I think Calvin Pace is definitely going to start. I think he's going to be the first and second down linebacker, and I think Malden will come in on third downs. And third down, I mean – What's third down about? 95% of the time it's about getting to the quarterback because 95% of the time on third down they're throwing the ball. So wouldn't you love to have a line come in there where you're going to have, you know, uh, potentially you could have Copels, Malden, Babin, Wilkerson, Richardson. How about that for a line coming in? Or give, Rich, give Wilkerson a breather. How about a four-man line of Richardson and Copels inside? Because everybody knows Copels was better at North Carolina on the inside in the 43 than he was the outside. A lot of people forget that. And then on the outside, you could have Babin and Malden, and, you know, Demario Davis as well could come after the quarterback. Or have Wilkerson in there, too. Have a five-man line. Williams, six-man line. Whatever you want to do. I mean, Richardson could drop back into coverage. You know how athletic he is. So I think it creates a lot of potential mismatches for us, and it's going to keep everybody fresh. Everyone's going to be fresh, and that's key. I mean, look at the Giants teams that won Super Bowls, and even Seattle. What do they have? An abundance of defensive linemen. And that's what you need for a consistent pass rush to win in this league. You need that consistent pass rush. You need that healthy pass rush. And if one or two guys go down this training camp, we're not going to be losing our minds like we have in previous years because we actually have depth. And you might not want people to get hurt, but this Jets team over the last 10 years, compared to a lot of teams in the league, has been very lucky with injuries. One of these days, you know, we're not going to be so lucky. Someone's going to go down that's big. You don't want to say that. You don't want to say With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
see that, but it's going to happen. So God forbid if a Wilkerson or a Williams went down, one of these guys, or if Calvin Pace went down, one of these guys can step it up and play in this league. So it's great to have the initial depth there. I don't think anyone's losing their job over this pick, uh, but at least not this year. Next year, maybe, but this year, no. I think it's just quality depth. Exactly, and I pound the table for that. I tell all the fans that depth, depth, depth. That's what helps you win games in this league. That's what helps you move on in the playoffs and even compete for Super Bowls. You have to have depth. It's not it's not Madden when you can just keep in one guy for every single play of every single game. So we definitely agree there. The next pick is Bryce Petty. Bryce Petty is a guy that I was high on. He was my number three quarterback on my board. And we ended up getting him in the fourth round. I want to know, what are your thoughts on him? And also, on the flip side, what are your thoughts about the fans that say, now because we got Bryce Petty, guess what? He's the automatic starter. Get rid of Geno. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I'll start off with Petty. I mean, Petty, to me, uh, to me, he was my, my fourth quarterback. I like Grayson ahead of him, but, you know, he went. So I'm with uh, Coach Ron on that one. But uh, as far as Grace, I mean, yeah, look, he's got the size. He's got the arm strength. He only threw, what, 10 interceptions in the past couple of years at Baylor? That's, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, considering the turnover-prone issues we've had at quarterback since, you know, Pennington left, that's, <laughs> that's pretty darn good. So, I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to take a year or two for him to play if he does play. He's definitely going to be given the chance. The great thing about taking him in the fourth round as opposed to the first round or the second round most logical fans are not going to be pounding the table for him to start right now. Um, for the fans that want him to start right now and get rid of Geno, uh, I think you're crazy. You should probably check into an asylum. Um, you know, I, I'm not the biggest Geno fan in the world either, but you're not going to start a fourth-round quarterback right away and, unless he turns out to be Russell Wilson. And if he does, then I'll turn around five months from now and eat my words very happily. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen personally. I think he has to sit on the bench for at least a year. Uh, this year it's going to be down to Geno or Fitzpatrick, to, in my eyes. But Petty was a good value pick, and, you know, we'll see what happens over time. It, 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 with that said, is Bryce Petty the guy that could push to be the number two quarterback, or do you think that Fitzpatrick is the guy that if Geno falters, he could be the guy to step in and he's the solid number two no matter what happens? Come on, Joe. You know how I feel about <laughs> this. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starting quarterback week one. I'm telling you now, and I'm going to tell you every week. The Fitz magic is here. Grow a beard with me, Joe. We're going to do the Fitz Fitz magic jerseys and chants. It's going to be wonderful. Just embrace it. I had to do it. I had to do it. He threw he threw you an absolute softball. I mean, that was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> he knew that was coming. <laughs> I, you know, Panda, the, Panda, the minute he asked me, I, I put down my head. I'm like, here comes the Fitzmagic nonsense. Like, I know it's coming. Hey, I'm getting you guys both T-shirts this year when we're at the game. When, you know, he's leading us to an 11-5 and record. I'm just saying. <laughs> Hey, hey, if we're gonna be selling, if we're gonna be selling T-shirts, I have a good website, NewYorkJetsFans.com, that we can do that on. But that's a whole other story. I think um, I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah, for 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 all our listeners, there's, a, there's an exciting website coming up, NewYorkJetsFans.com, that we'll we'll start to be promoting. That Joe will be an active member in. So if you like to read his articles and listen to him on podcasts, that'll be the place to find him. But Joe, going to round five. Uh, Jarvis Harrison's a guy that, you know, when you, you understand the need for offensive line, but then you read the write-up on him where work ethic concerns, weight issue concerns, the desire to play basketball, maybe over football. What was your take on Jarvis Harrison? I mean, a solid player in college. Like you said, there's a lot of concerns. But to me, it's kind of just, you know, take a chance on the guy. I mean, look at how many guards McCagnon has picked up this year in free agency. I mean, he re-signed Cologne. We got Brewer. got all these other guys, Carpenter, et cetera, et cetera. 
I think he's just a guy who's going to come into camp, compete for a job. Worst case scenario, if the you know the concerns come to roost and he doesn't, he isn't interested in football. That will show, and he'll be off this team come the end of August. No big loss, fifth round pick. So to me, you know, good pick from a good team from Texas A&M. They've had a solid offensive line the past few years. So I think it's a value pick. We'll see what happens to me. Like I said, worst case scenario, he's off the team at the end of the year. You only blew a fifth round pick. Best case scenario. Maybe he competes for a starting job because for all the 48 offensive linemen that we have, when it comes to guard, nobody has really stood out in the past few years. So, you know, he could go all the way from a fifth-round pick to starter, or he can go from a fifth-round pick to, you know, trying out for the NBA. But whatever it is, I think it was a good solid pick. I mean, we need an offensive lineman. I would prefer to tackle, but it is what it is. No, I agree with you. And what is your take on the offensive line in general? I know we're going through the draft, but, you know, it's like there's comments. I mean, Omar Kelly, who does cover the Dolphins, you know, brought a comment out like the Jets' offensive line is nothing special. I mean, we've talked in the past about Nick Nick Mangold is the rock. You know, DeBrickishaw is kind of taking a step back, but he's still a quality player. You kind of wonder how much of his play is dropped due to the guy playing next to him. I mean, what is your take on the offensive line as a whole? Uh, I mean, I honestly think we could have went uh, Eric Flowers or Andrus Pete at six and groomed him to be the right tackle this year and the replacement for DeBrick next year. Because, you know, as you said, DeBrick, he used to be a Pro Bowl left tackle, and the key word is used to be. I, I just don't think he is anymore. I think he's still a solid player. I'd say he's still a top 15 left tackle in the league, but, you know, he's not getting any younger. Uh, Mangold is still great, obviously. We have a rocket center there. But he's not getting any younger either. And one of these days, that wall is going to hit. As much as I hate to say that and think that, it will. But, you know, DeBrick's play is declining. Our guard play right now, it's a huge question mark to me. I mean, you re-signed Cologne, but obviously, you know, last year was frustrating with him. The year before, somewhat, too. Um, Carpenter, you know, that was the big offensive line acquisition in the offseason. But, again, he had problems of his own in Seattle. So you're not quite sure what to get out of him. Uh, personally, my favorite guard on the team is James Brewer from the from the Giants. I think he's pretty solid. I think he could wind up starting at right guard. And, of course, you also have Abushi who, who could play anywhere in the line. I mean, he's a guy who could play left guard, right guard, right tackle. Brian Winters, too. I mean, don't forget he's coming back, but he's also been very underwhelming his first two years. And Abushi was so-so last year. And then, of course, we have no idea what we're going to get out of Dakota Dozier or Ben Aljolana at left tackle backing up Ferguson. So right tackle, Breno is probably going to be the starter there. But, again, when we face those teams with the speed rushers, he's a question mark. So this, this line to me is scary. It's the number two question mark on this team. Number two would be the line, number one, obviously being quarterback. But other than those two positions, I mean, the team's pretty stout. But offensive line, I mean, if you don't have a line, I don't care if you have Tom Brady back there, you're not going to win games. Absolutely, and we've talked about the offensive line multiple times back and forth on Twitter. We've gone over Brino and how I feel about him and our, our right guard. I feel like it's a little shaky, so we definitely agree on our offensive line, you know, definitely needing to, to step up a little bit. Our next pick, though, is Deion Simon. A lot of people were going, oh, goodness, another defensive lineman. What are we doing with him? Do you, do you like that pick there, or do you feel like we should have went somewhere else to kind of address the need? Uh, honestly, I, I have no idea who this guy is. When they picked him, I'm like, who? I mean, so I've read a few things on him, obviously, because we picked him. But to me, I, I'm, it's a defensive lineman. Todd Bowles likes to get after the quarterback. It's another depth move. It's a seventh-round pick. Does it really matter? Most of these guys really don't even make the roster. So to me, add the lineman, that's fine. For all we know, we could be losing some linemen next offseason after this Williams pick because the money's going to be starting to fly with these defensive linemen. So 
want to take a shot at a guy. Worst case scenario, throw him on the practice squad for a year, and then maybe next year he's a snacks replacement if you can't get him re-upped. Not a bad choice in my opinion. Okay, definitely a good take on that. Another question I have for you is that a lot of people, this is something that was kind of swarming around, fans were hitting me up about was, they thought maybe in the seventh round, what did you think if we would have took a chance on drafting Lyle Collins and just kind of waiting out, seeing if he got cleared, and then if he is, like he has now, definitely trying to get him in, signing him, and getting him in that deal. Do you think that we should have maybe have taken that, that chance? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I heard that debated on Sirius NFL Radio today, too, but uh, to me, his agent already came out and said if he wasn't drafted after day two, he wasn't going to sign. Now, you know, you could sign a, you could draft him, and then worst case scenario, he can go to the draft next year. But nobody wanted to do that, and I and I don't think a, a first year team of GM and head coach had enough say to take a guy who could potentially be a lot of trouble. Now, from everything we've heard, he has nothing to do with the murder and and all that, and thankfully is you know child is alive and all that good stuff but you know who knows and they weren't really ready to take a chance on that it's going to take a coach or a team with a lot of you know a, a coach and a general manager who have been there a while coach and manager who aren't afraid you know that they're going anywhere the cabinet and bowls you know they're new they don't need any drama we just got rid of that we had six years of that i think we've had enough so I, i'm kind of glad that they didn't make the move i, I would have understood it if they did but i'm not mad that they didn't yeah, no, I agree with you. And you know, like like you said, I think the place he's going to go is, you know, it could be an accomplished coaching staff, an accomplished front right. office. And I think, it, you know, the teams are all going to offer the same thing. So now it's just a matter of selling your organization. Like I, I was joking before, I'm like, I'm sure Rex Ryan by this time promised him two Super Bowl <laughs> rings, five Pro Bowls, two All Pros, and 75 wings a week. You know what I mean? It's 100 percent, 100 percent. All for the joy of blocking for Matt Castle. <laughs> the, uh, but the, Joe, the, the other move they made and was kind of a, an interesting move was they traded for running back Zach Stacy, which to me I, I understand, but I don't understand it. The, the, the first reason why is he was complaining about playing time when the Rams drafted Todd Gurley when he's coming here in almost the exact same situation. He's not going to be walking as number one running back. And the second thing is, does he really address the need of a dynamic back out of backfield that can catch the ball? He's kind of similar to what we have now. So what was your take on Zach Stacy trade? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I, I was surprised when I read the day before that uh, we were interested in or fielded a call to the Rams. And I thought, oh, you know what, this McCagney doing his due diligence, but there's no way. And then, of course, you know, you're sitting there the next day and like, okay, wow, there is a way. He did do it. Uh, for a seventh-round pick, I mean, why not? Like I said before, half the seventh-rounders don't even make the roster. So I could see why they did it, but at the same time, I agree with you, Tyson. I mean, I don't really see where he adds that dynamic, you know, play to the backfield. I think he's more in the mold of a Ridley and Powell where, you know, he can play back there. He can make some, he may he can catch the ball to the backfield, but you don't really want him doing that. He's not exactly, you know, that shifty, elusive back out of the backfield. It seems like we have four guys who kind of do the same thing or three guys who do the same thing, and then Ivory is just a bowling ball with knives. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. It seems like the Jets are the land for the Rams' few, uh, former running backs with Richardson and Stacey, and I don't know if either one of them are going to make this team because I don't see them carrying more than three running backs. So it'll be interesting to see if he even makes the squad. Yeah, that, that I agreed. I, I was kind of surprised. And, like, you know, we were clamoring for, you know, like Duke Johnson and David Johnson, all these young backs. And we get him, even though he's young, it just – listen, you know, right now, whatever Mike McCagnan does, we're all giving him, you know, bouquets of flowers for, which I understand. But to me, it just didn't make sense. 
I mean, it made sense, but just not the guy I was looking for. Do you see maybe guys like Devin Smith and maybe Jeremy Curley being used more as that guy out of the backfield in formations like that, trying to utilize their speed? Knowing how crazy Chan Gailey can get and creative Chan Gailey can get with the offense, I could definitely see that. I think Curley would be a good player for that position just because with Curley, as we've seen, he also has a threat. Not only is he a shifty guy who can get out of the backfield if you need him to, he also has a threat to just all of a sudden stop running and throw the ball down the field. I mean, we've seen him throw accurate passes. He was a quarterback in high school. Uh, he did a little bit of throwing at TCU as well. So I think Curley could definitely fill that role if they want to go that route. And with, you know, with Smith, you can now say, okay, on a third down, I could have Curley in the backfield next to Fitzpatrick or Geno. And with Smith, Marshall, Amaro, and Decker out wide. So I could definitely see that happening. What are some of your thoughts about some of the guys that we were signed uh, that were undrafted? And do you think there's some guys that are undrafted that we should target? Uh, there's nobody really undrafted that I really have a care to look at right now that isn't there. I mean, I would have liked Tyler Varga, but that's just because, you know, I don't know. It would have been cool. But uh... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Chad Tyler Varga. I don't know. White running back. That's kind of rare. It's like seeing a unicorn. But anyway, uh, the kid from Syracuse I like. I think he could have a chance of making the team. Other than that, I don't really have any opinions on the rest of them. But I do like the kid from Syracuse, uh, Eskridge, I believe his name is. I think he has a good chance of possibly making the practice squad, if not the 53-man roster. What are your thoughts about our safety position? With Calvin Pryor finally, they're saying they're going to switch him back to his natural spot. Uh, you know, you might have Antonio Allen out there. Do you think that's something we should have been a little bit more aggressive to address, or do you think it's kind of set the way it is right now? I don't think there's anything else they could do right now to address it. I think Gilchrist is some is going to be a solid addition as a free safety. I like him there. As far as strong safety goes, you know, I really hope the job is in Calvin Pryor's. I hope it's a competition. I want him to earn it because, yes, he was out of position last year, but just the, the guy just continues to do stupid things, whether it's social media or on the field. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see it this off season, day after day in training camp, this preseason you know, let, let's see how he adjusts. Let's see how he plays going back to his former spot. I, I would really like to see an open competition and a strong safety between Pryor and Antonio Allen and, and even uh, Jaquan Jarrett possibly as well. And the losers could be the two backups to Gilchrist and, and the winner. But I think Antonio Allen is going to push Pryor for that job if it's an open competition. Yeah, I think it's going to be an open competition. I think the only good thing that Calvin Pryor did this offseason was join us on Let's Talk Jets. So that was a good decision he made. But (laughs) (laughs) 
come on, it's a shameless plug. But Joe, uh, my <laughs> last question for you, my last question for you is, you know, going now, you know, off season's come and gone in terms of free agency in the NFL draft. What are, do you see any glaring weaknesses or any concerns as we head into like mini camp and rookie camp and everything else? Uh, just kind of the ones that I was talking about before. I mean, offensive line right now. But, again, I don't – offensive line and possibly safety, depending on Gilchrist's health. But other than that, no. I mean, but at the same time, there's really – how are you going to address it at this point? Unless there's a crazy major trade. And I just don't see that happening this time of year. So I think we're going to roll with whoever we have and, and hope for the best. Right now, the biggest question mark to me, though, is offensive line. Who's going to be the two guards? Who's going to be the right tackle? Because, again, while I think Breno is going to be the guy, Abushi could push him. Um, so could Winters if he moved back to tackle, because remember he was a tackle in college. Uh, so it will be interesting to see who takes those three spots, because to me you have DeBrick and Mangold cemented at left tackle and center, and then you have three huge question marks. And whoever it is, they're going to need to protect Fitzpatrick, Geno, Petty, or even the famous Matt Sims. Yeah, Matt Sims, the man. Just kidding. Sims, man, the Sims will be joining his father on CBS by the end of August. Who are we kidding? <laughs> I agree. Joe, we want to thank you for your time tonight. Give everybody information. I know you're going to be featured on NewYorkJetFans.com, but give everybody your Twitter information and things like that. Yep, uh, I'll be on NewYorkJets.com. Uh, Tyson and some other great Jets fans and writers, we can't wait for that to get started up in June. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at L7Panda ready to interact with all Jets fans. And coming up on NewYorkJetsFans.com, I'll have a weekly article with Ryan Fitzpatrick about how to trim your beard. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I knew As he I leads knew us to an 11-5 wild card season. I knew this was coming. Joe, thanks for, time, man. We... <laughs> thanks for your time tonight, man. We appreciate it. No problem, guys. Have a great one. Man, I love talking to Panda because when he when he has an opinion, man, it always he sticks to it till he goes down in flames with it. Absolutely, he loves it, Patrick. I love it. I love it. I love that he loves the beard. He's always talking about the beard. He also gives really good draft insight as well. Really smart guy. Yeah, his his Fitzpatrick love is almost like yours with Salim McKean. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. We all have our players. Let's go, Salim. Let's go. <laughs> okay, we're, we're going to go to a couple of our callers. We we apologize for having everybody on hold tonight. We had a couple of guests we definitely want to get on. So our first caller will be Rick from New Jersey. He wants to talk about Bryce Petty. So, Rick, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? All right. Um, I was just kind of curious, just because um, when we picked Bryce Petty, TJ Clemens was still on the board. I want to ask you guys' opinions. Do you think that – Bryce Petty was a better prospect for over T.J. Clemmings. Uh, Joe, what do you think? Yeah. yeah, I absolutely do. I had Bryce Petty as my uh, third quarterback on the board. Um, I, I think he has the tools. I think he's a guy that could be a starter in the future. But as we've said and as many analysts have said, I, I watched the game when he was at Baylor. He needs to sit for about a year or two. I think in a year or two we l- we'll look back and Bryce could be pushing to start. He really could. Um, if he gets the scheme down and if there's players that, that's around him that just are capable receivers when he, when he gets his chance, this could be a guy that could have been a value pick in the fourth round. And we'll look back and go, wow, what a draft by, what a draft by, uh, by our GM. What a draft. What an extremely good draft. So, yes, I, I think he at that position is better than TJ Clemens, absolutely. My, my question for you, though, is, what do you think about our second-round pick, Devin Smith? Do you think he has what it takes to give us that boost on offense? 
Um, definitely at the very least, eventually, because I know he still has to work on his route running and stuff like that, but still, he's still fast enough to be a deep threat. And at the very minimum, they can definitely use him as a situational player. So, yeah, for the most part, I actually don't have any real complaints about getting him where they got him. So, but like I said, I, I was just thinking about, but the, I do want to come back to the TJ Clemens real quick because, but TJ Clemens, I know he has the whole foot thing, but still he's mm-hmm. more likely to start right away over Bryce Petty. Don't you agree? I'm di- or, you know, disagree? I'm just curious. No, I I mean, I, I think I think each of them are going to have to sit for a little bit. I, I don't. I, I wouldn't like the selection TJ Clemens. I just I just liked Bryce Petty at that selection. I think he be I think he was the best available there. So that's why I just think that Bryce Petty was the better selection in the fourth round. Me, even when you look at it, I just I don't like TJ Clemens necessarily as a prospect. But that's just me. Um, Rick, what are your thoughts I about mean, him? I mean, Joe. I'm sorry, Rick. Is your is your thought that it's more of an instant impact where you're thinking Clemens could play Clemens could play this year where Bryce Petty's more like down the line. Is that kind of your issue? Yeah, that and that I think Bryce Petty is actually more of a project. Now, I think it's possible, but I think you have to put in a lot of time and effort with Bryce Petty over TJ Clemens. No, I, and I, I could see that. I, I you know, like, the thing about Clemens was it was all like the reports as he was dropping, people were like, is there injury concerns? What are all the problems? So I think maybe that was what they were thinking. Like, I, I wasn't, I mean, I understand the pick of Bryce Petty, and I understand he's a project. And, you know, the, the good thing about the Jets now with Geno and Fitzpatrick is they don't need a quarterback now, like a young quarterback now to play now. They have the ability mm-hmm. to, you know, to have, to have the ability to sit out a year and see what they have next year. So I think that's kind of – if you could find a, a franchise quarterback or a starting quarterback in the fourth round next you know, it's kind of a positive. So I can see your take and I can see Joe's take. It's, you know, it, it's, it's definitely a, a tough call. Um, my, my question for you is, what is your take on Mike McCagman as he navigated through this draft? Were, were you impressed, you know, based on, you know, compared to years past? Or what's your take on McCagman? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely impressed. Like, overall, there's – like, you can't complain. You really, like, I think he did the best. Even with the ones, I know some people will disagree, like, we should have went offense, but I think if you really sit down and think about it as a professional, I think a lot of people would have done the same thing, you know. It's obviously they try to trade down, but if you can't trade down, you have to take the best player available. It's just, it's just common sense to me. Yeah, I think I agree with you in terms of, like, Leonard Williams. The thing I took away from this draft is, you know, your top three picks, these are guys that are going to play now. I mean, like, last year we took some picks, and you're like, all right, I could see it, but I'm not really sure. Like, maybe next year you try to justify the pick. This year you see the pick, and you see the need it's going to address. Like, between Malden, Smith, Leonard Williams, I mean, you could see what's going to happen with them. And that, to me, was refreshing. And it was almost a sense of confidence in his scouting ability and his staff, which, to me, was a change. I completely agree with you. Even with the Pirates pay, like, even though I don't completely agree with it, at the same time, it does make sense, though. It actually does make sense. Like I said, uh, you know, I I disagree a little bit because it it seems like you're going to have to put forth effort, but at the same time, it really isn't a bad pick at the end of the day. Even though I I may disagree with it because I prefer T.J. Clemens, it's 
still a sensible pick. And no, I, I agree, man. I, I agree. Like I, I, like, I didn't agree with the Malden pick with, with the trading down, but once they got him, I'm like, all right, it makes sense. And like at this point, yeah. you know, I have faith in Mike McCagnan and his his scouting prowess. Rick, I want to thank you for mm-hmm. calling in, man. We definitely appreciate your time, and please call in again. Mm-hmm. All right, no problem. Thanks, I will. All right, bye. Bye. Yeah, it's that's an interesting take, Joe. It, it's you know what, comparing this draft to years past, you almost had a sense of confidence that McCagnan knew what he was doing. And I know that's kind of simplifying it. It kind of sounds maybe stupid, but it's like he's making picks. You're like, wow, that makes sense. That's a need. There's like. Every like you read the write up on the players that we got, and it's like, wait a minute, you know, like this, there's there's a fit. There, it just addresses a hole, or it's like. And the other thing I noticed was, uh, minus Harrison was, you know, work ethic, strong leader, tough, yeah. smart, physical. You know, like you look at like you know, especially Malden, you know, Leonard Williams, high energy guy. Those are the kind of guys that you want on a team. That was what Mangini was known for. Mangini was about team leaders, team captains, high work ethic, responsible players. That seems to be the mold that Mike McCadden's bringing to this team. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely, and that's one of the reasons why I think that uh, that was one of the reasons why I didn't like Simmons as a pick as a pick there was because I mean, if you look at the our position, it's already stacked. Our line position is already stacked. I don't even know if he's going to be a starter, but when you look at the picks, they all make sense, especially even even the pick of Bryce Petty there. It makes sense because you can mold him for the future. So even if you don't believe, if you're not totally sold on him this year, well, you've got a guy in the back that you can teach the scheme for a year or two years as you try to kind of figure out what's going on. So I think he did an excellent job on this draft. I think he was able to move up and down the board on this draft and, and did what he needed to do. I, I'm just I, I'm absolutely impressed with how he manipulated this draft and how he was able to get different guys and different picks, too. I love Malden as well. Um, I actually like the pick. I thought he was a guy that could come in and definitely be a situational pass rusher just in the least and get to the quarterback. So I like the draft, and I like everything that he did. Yeah, no, like, let, me, let me just confirm. I don't hate the Malden pick, but when the, <laughs> when the initial initial instinct – dude, you know how Twitter is. I'll get ripped to shreds for two weeks yeah. now. The initial instinct was <laughs> – Trading back at that time, I was like, "Damn it, Duke Johnson's right there, or Eli Howard's right there." And I'm just a Duke guy. Like, I mean, we've talked about him for, for a month now. You know, like him and Dorsett were the guys I wanted to see on this team, which is fine. But you know, that that was the only thing that I was like, "All right, I don't agree with it." Then you get him and you read up on him, you're like, "All right, it's cool." But with that being said, we're gonna go to our next caller. This is Jared, who wants to talk about the Jets' running back situation, which obviously there's a stockpile of backs back there. So, Jared, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? What's on your mind? The Jets definitely have a surplus of running backs, but I'm not sure any of them really fit into what Chan Gailey wants to do. No way. Like, Gailey had Spiller run for 1,000 yards with a speed back. I don't feel we have a speed back this season. And I, I would I would definitely agree with you on that point. I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily a speed back, but I think what Chan is going to do with these guys is he's just going to try to get some guys in space. That's what his – that's what his uh, – his offense is all about. But these are guys that can also catch the ball out the backfield. You look at yeah. Powell, he can catch the ball out the backfield. You look at Ivory, he can catch the ball out the backfield. Zach Stacey, I mean, Zach Stacey's no wide receiver. I mean, but he's got decent hands. If you, again, if you look at what he did his rookie year, he was catching balls out the backfield too. So these are kind of Swiss Army knife guys. Are there guys going to blow your head off with speed? Absolutely not. But I definitely think there's guys that he can, he can hand the ball off to. They're solid runners. They're going to pound the rock, and I, and I think that that's what they're going to do. I, they might go after a speed guy later on. Um, maybe there's a guy that's unsigned that they're looking at. I mean, who knows where they go with that, but 
I can agree with you we don't have a speed back, but I don't think we have any slouches at running back either. What are your thoughts on this, Tyson? Um, so I agree. Also, I mean, I... Go ahead, Jared. That's cool. Go ahead. In, in 2012, when Staley was with Buffalo, the, the running backs almost combined for 100 receiving catches, so I definitely agree with you on that point. Um, yeah, I mean, it, but, it, it, it's it's clearly a need, man. I, I, I agree with you. And you know, like I said, that's why we're trying to get creative with maybe using Smith out of backfield or Curly, trying to incorporate different guys. But it still seems to be a need, like a missing piece. Yeah, definitely, especially with a running back that's troubled, an offensive line that's troubled. A good running back would really help. No doubt, man. Um, but also with that, um, there were some they could have drafted. The guy from Michigan State, the – Duke Johnson, like you said. I don't know. Langford from Michigan State. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's I a mean, couple guys. That, oh, oh, there's Yeah, there's a couple guys, that, like like you know Tyson alluded to earlier as well, that Duke Johnson was on the board, but we traded down and we ended up with Marlon. I mean, there's a couple guys, but I, I don't, I, maybe the, looking at McCagnan and looking at both, they scouted these guys, and they, maybe they just didn't believe in them. And maybe they already had the trade for Stacey ready to go. So, I mean, it, what's done is done. I, I think we got to move into the season with the running backs that we have now. And uh, we'll see how Chan is able to incorporate these guys because you got to also think that Chan was also involved in the process as well. So it's not like he just was just standing around there. I'm pretty sure he put his input in, and, and these were, you know, some of the guys that he agreed to get as well. My, my – my question to you is, what are your thoughts about Devin Smith? Do you think that he might be a guy that we could use coming out of the backfield as well to kind of catch balls, just to switch the offense up and change the pace? I think Devin Smith would definitely be a good reverse kind of guy, sort mm-hmm. of like when we had Brad Smith in a way. Um, I think he's definitely going to be that deep play uh, threat also that we haven't had. With Marshall sort of cutting in maybe and just have him go, that could be a real help for Geno or Fitzpatrick. Yeah, Jared. I think right now, if you if you look at the Jets' offense, minus the the explosive back out of the backfield that catches the ball, I mean, Geno is surrounded by weapons. I mean, Decker, Marshall, mm-hmm. Curley, Jason Morrow. I mean, I mean, even you know we're kind of discounting Ivory and Powell, but they're still very good running backs. Ridley, if he gets healthy, so the pieces are in place to be a very productive offense, assuming the offensive line can hold their own. And that and that right now is kind of an assumption we're all making that we may have to look at down the line. But I mean, the pieces are in place to be productive. Now it's just a matter. Of getting it done in the field. So, Jared, we want to thank you for calling in tonight, man. We definitely appreciate it. Oh, wait, can I just ask one more question? Go ahead. Fire away. Uh, while we're on the wide receiver conversation, we have a lot of wide receivers, including ones we drafted last season, including Shaq Evans. Who are some you think that can make this opening roster team? Man, you know what? That's a tough question because the competition at that position now is yeah. gonna, it's going to be ridiculous. Because now you figure if you add Smith to the – a mix, you have four receivers. I mean, you're probably going to keep, I mean, Joe, you keep a max of six. So you have really and you two also have guys. Cozy kids. Exactly. So you have probably like eight guys. I mean, not, I'm just assuming like eight guys competing for like two spots. I mean, Joe, talk about competition. I mean, it, that position is going to be crazy. Yeah, a- absolutely. But I don't think it's as crazy as people think. I mean, Shaq Evans would not be on the team. I don't believe he No, that was just team. an example. It, yeah, I mean, we also have Salim Hakeem, Walter Powell, yeah. those kind of guys. We, we, we all know Salim's going to make the team. There's no oh, doubt here he was mine. That Salim is going to make the team. We all know that. <laughs> God help us. Uh, but, <laughs> but, 
but Jack Evans is a guy that I don't think would have made the team last year had he not been injured. Um, so I, I think it adds competition, but I also think it's just like with Marshall, Decker, Curly, uh, Smith, There's like also you said. T.J. Graham and Chris Owusu. Yeah, T.J. Yep. Graham, Chris Owusu. Chris Owusu, he could be used as a as a kick returner, punt returner. I don't think he's necessarily developed. As I a think Walter Powell is more of that kind of guy. Yeah, so you got that. So I think the battle, if we're if we're keeping six, like like you know, like I said, we do keep six. I think the battle is going to be between Salim Hakeem and Christian Wilson to make the make the squad. So those are the guys. That's how I think it's going to round out. What are your thoughts, Jared? See, Jared, Jared, what you got to learn is when when you call on this show, if you mention receivers, Joe automatically starts <laughs> defending Salim Hakeem. And I, I think to, to, to put to, to end the conversation a little bit just now is I think that the, the differentiating point for this will be special teams. I think the final two mm-hmm. guys that make the roster, yeah. while they may be developing receivers, they got to either be a returner or a gunner or add some kind of value on special teams. If they don't do that. I mean, it's just it's almost like a wasted roster spot. So Bowles was I think talking that's about how good of a special teams player Devin Smith is. That's true, and that's a, that's a good asset. But I'm saying, you know, like you mentioned a Wosu can return kicks, things like that. If you can get a returner out of it, you know, and a gunner, I yeah. mean, that's I think will define the difference. So, But we got a bunch of calls yeah. on the line, man, so we appreciate you calling in, and please be sure to call in again. All right, I will. Thank you. Thank Great you. job. Thanks. Yeah, we got, we got some callers on the line, so we definitely appreciate that. Um, Joe, it's interesting. You know, we, we talk about a lot of competition and, and things like that, and the wide receiver position it really is load, loaded in terms of talented young guys that are going to be fighting for a roster spot. So if Todd Bowles stays true to his nature and says it's about competition, they have competition with a bunch of young, hungry guys. Absolutely, and um, we'll see who comes out of it. Like like we were talking about earlier, that kick return, that punt return, those that gunner spot, that special team stuff is going to push a guy that that is on the teetering or on the bubble and could get cut to making the team because that's that's where you're going here. So you know, after the I, I honestly believe after the first four spots that you got uh, like we like we talked about Decker, uh, Marshall, Curley, and Devin. You know that that fifth and sixth spot is up for up for grabs right now. You got to battle, and you definitely got to battle. Just not battling there at the at the wide receiver position. There's also a lot of competition in our tight end position too, uh, with the guys that we signed recently. So we'll see how it works out. But these guys are definitely, uh, you know, putting the competition model to the to to the test. You know, and the, and the other position too, not a position, an area is a secondary. I mean, you know, like you know, last year we went from like you know, clamoring over Dimitri Patterson and, you know, Marcus Williams, all these guys, because we're so desperate for help. And now we got help. So now it's like, all right, you, you add Crow, you add Revis, you, you add Buster Screen, and now you got, okay, what happens to Darren Walls, Marcus Williams, all these young players, even the safety position. You met, you guys mentioned Antonio Allen. I mean, you have Rontez Miles, you have Jaquan Jarrett, you have all these young guys where the competition is going to be fast and furious because you can only keep so many. I mean, you could say, okay, they play special teams. You're not keeping six safeties. You're not keeping 10 deep defensive backs. So, you know, as we, you know, progress with this show, we're going to be looking at these roster battles. I mean, Joe, there's competition, man, and it's not it's not amongst guys that are has-beens. These are young players. Yes, absolutely. Another guy that, that's in, in the fold of things, and, and we've talked about it before, is D. Milner. D. Milner is a guy that I want to see yep. come, out of that, come out of that competition and, and show up and show out. This is, this is his year, and it's his time. And like you said, Walls is another guy. Uh, Marcus Williams is another guy that I want to see. Hey, uh, were you a mirage last year? Were you guys that showed up? We got off the street. 
and you played extremely solidly. Can you do that in this game as well? Can we can we depend on you here too? So there's going to be a lot of battles, a lot of battles in that secondary, especially in that safety position, to see what we get, we, who we get in there at strong safety because you're going to have Calvin, you're going to have Antonio Allen, you're going to have, you know, uh, Jaquan Jarrett. He's going to be battling too. So there's going to be a lot of battles. And if guys don't don't show up, then they're, they're going to see the door. So I, I, I can't wait to see what we do in our secondary position. Yeah, no doubt. And the thing is, too, is guys like Dean Milner and Dexter McDougal, they're inherited. They weren't drafted by McKagan. So, so McKagan yeah. has no ties. So if they're injured and not performing, he can't, you, he's not going to take the brunt for being a first-round pick. He's not going to care. But you know what? That's the former regime, former regime. I'm about guys playing now. So we're going to go to our next caller, and this is Ben who wants to talk about the Jets draft. So, Ben, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. What's up, man? Oh, what's up? All right. So called in a couple times. So this time my first question, I just have a couple questions. My first question, it doesn't really – necessarily involved the Jets. It's more just about the NFL. I have a question about uh, NFL teams valuing pro-style offenses over success. So I look at a guy like Sean Mannion, who the uh, St. Louis Rams drafted over Bryce Petty, and I've been to a lot of Oregon State games. Yeah, I'm a USC fan that's from Oregon. <laughs> but uh, he's not – I mean, I've watched Sean Mannion. I don't see anything that's special. He was kind of just a game manager, and these were against teams that <clears> – <throat> weren't very talented. I mean, he racks up stats against, you know, Eastern Washington and Colorado and stuff, but you put him against a team that's, you know, kind of average, like, let's say, USC, and he's not very good. He's he's actually pretty poor. So my question is, is you know, and Petty, Bryce Petty, you look at him week in and week out, he's playing, you know, top teams in, the, you know, in college football. You know, you watch that TCU game, he rallies the troops against, what were they, ninth-ranked team TCU? So, you know, Patty, I think he had way more success than Sean Mannion. So my question to you is, do you think NFL teams value pro-style offenses too much, like to to a point where they're valuing it over success? I don't think that they necessarily value pro-style offenses too much because there's been guys that have come out of the college that weren't in pro-style offenses that were successful. I think what they do value is they look at the player's characteristics and their skill set first. You can have a guy that comes out of profile offense that doesn't have as good of a skill set as a guy that did come out of a profile offense. So that's one of the first things I think they look at is what is his skill set? Does this kid have a big arm? Can he throw the deep ball? Is he accurate? Does he make sound decisions within his offense, no matter what offense he runs? That's some of the basic things they look at. And I think secondarily they look at the type of offense that he runs. He ran. Um, you know, what was he asked to do? What were his responsibilities? What type of reads did he have? Things like that. So I, I don't think they overvalue the post-style offense as much as they kind of value the skill set and decision-making at first, and then they go out and look at the post-style offense. Uh, my question is, it, what, what quarterback would you have had drafted in, if, if you didn't like Bryce Petty there? Uh, would, would you have wanted to get someone else in that slot instead of Bryce Petty? Well, I, I love Bryce, I love Bryce Petty. I I, I I was a big fan of him. You know, I love what he's done and stuff. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Brett Hundley. Uh, okay. But you're saying, you know, fourth round, you know, yeah. in the Jets position. Yeah, like Hundley, yeah. I mean, I guess Hundley's the next best guy. I'm not a big Hundley <laughs> fan, obviously, but he's definitely, you know, there's a big drop-off after Hundley. So I guess Hundley's the guy then, but I, I'm not a big fan of Hundley. Um, so, yeah, I guess it would be Brett Hundley. What are your thoughts about Devin Smith? Do you think that he'll be able to help develop 
you know, whoever a quarterback is, do you think he'll be able to give an immediate boost, a burst to our offense? Well, that was basically my second question. Yeah, I do like I do like the pick of Devin Smith. I think he can be Deshaun Jackson. I mean, he he has a you know he needs to bolster up that uh you know uh, route uh, route tree a little bit because you know he's he ran basically two routes <laughs> at Ohio State with deep ball and sometimes he'd run a screen. But um, yeah, I do think he can contribute year one. I don't, I think he'll be you know a guy that will come on late. I don't think he'll be a guy that will be you know immediately successful. Maybe he'll have a good you know game and like one of the first weeks and then you'll be he'll disappear and then he'll come back towards the end and I think he'll start to become more consistent but my question is do you think the Jets made the right call with going with Devin Smith with a guy still like Doriel Green Beckham on the board I know like you said earlier is that McCagden's trying to bring really high character guys in the locker room like Bryce Petty and Maldine um but do you think Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli I guess? Aha in my dentist's office more than once actually Do I have to say? Yes you do In the car before my kids PTA meeting Really? Yes Excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky I never win and tell Well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com Play for free right now Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary Void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply See website for details Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, you know. Obviously, if Devin Smith isn't good and Doriel Green Beckham is the next Calvin Johnson, you know, what do you think about that? Do you think the Jets made the right call? The next Calvin Johnson. I don't know about that. It was, it was a reach, but. <laughs> You know, like, this was something that I was interested about. The, the minute they picked Devin Smith, I'm like, all right, you know, based on conversations we had over the last month with a variety of people, like Tyler Lockett kept coming up and Jalen Strong, I didn't think DGB was going to be an option for a variety of reasons. I think, you know, I just didn't think, from Mike McCagan's first draft, I had a feeling they were going to stray away from him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a tough call. And then this one, I'm going to say I'm going to go with Mike McCagan's evaluation. It, which is kind of sounds like a cop out, but that's just kind of like when you have a comparison to Deshaun Jackson. It's like, all right, you know, I can buy that. There's definitely a need. You know, they say the route tree thing was kind of overrated, where they worked him out and he did. He was able to do everything. The only question with Devin Smith was consistent hands, which you know that's something he hopefully works on. So I, I guess my answer is I'm okay with it. You know, Tyler Lockett was kind of an option. You kind of want a guy that can return. That, that's kind of like a need, like a re- legitimate returner. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess I'll live with it. But I guess going to the third round, what was your take on trading back? I mean, that's my first question for you, was trading back to get Lorenzo Malden with guys like Tevin Coleman, Duke Johnson, Eli Harold still available. Well, like you said, like, in the third round, we're sitting there, I'm watching, and I'm like, all right, we're going to get Duke Johnson or at least an Eli Harold. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. And then I hear we trade back, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if it – but I'm reading the trade – I mean, we actually we killed that. I mean, if you think about it, we gained a fifth-round pick. Yep. We gained a seventh-round pick, which we then trade to move up for Bryce Petty. I mean, without that trade, we don't get Bryce Petty. I mean, assuming the Browns or the Bills or whoever is going to trade up gets him. We get 
we get Debbie or Posey, who can be a return man factor. I mean, we just get depth to wide receiver, and I like him. And we didn't move, we moved down 12 spots. We just, I think we stole that trade. So if the trade wasn't like that, I think I would have been opposed to it just because I, I really liked Duke Johnson and Eli Harold. But moving back 12 spots for all that, and then we're getting a really high character guy who I think can contribute from day one in Lorenzo uh, Maldine. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mad with that. I actually, you know, I was in favor of it once I figured out what we got and who we drafted and its implications on the draft. Yeah, I was in the same boat. Like, you know, the, the instinct when it first happened, you're like, damn, I get the guys that I want, and it's not happening. But then when you let the whole the whole draft play out and you see the impact they got, it's like, all right, now it makes sense. You 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 had some ability to make a trade. You added other players. You could you could navigate a little bit better. So, you know, you know, McCagnan said throughout he wanted to add picks, so he did exactly that. But, you know, they used one of the picks, the seventh-round picks, on Zach Stacy, which to me – you know, I understand the value, and you know, for a seventh round pick, he adds value. But then again, it's like he's coming into a situation where he just left, which isn't ideal. He, he was unhappy there, and then he's kind of similar to what we have now. What was your take on Zach Stacy? Well, I, I mean, I yeah, he's definitely worth more than a seventh rounder based on his 2013 year. But I mean, I think he's actually in a worse position than he was in with St. Louis. I mean, yes, Todd Gurley could be one of the next great running backs. But, I mean, think about it. we got Chris Ivory and Steven Ridley. So those are probably going to be the top two guys. And we also don't forget about Bilal Powell. Don't sleep on him. And so, you know, where does Zach Stacy fit on on that? And also, I feel like, you know, if the Jets wanted their pass catcher out of the back, which I don't know if Stacy is. It depends how he has, you know, how he handles being in a crowded backfield. I would have, you know, possibly preferred a guy like Sean Moreno in free agency and then picking – Gerard Hallman with that pick, but I I think Stacy's uh, better value than a seventh round pick. I don't know. I agree with you that I don't know if he's worth it, um, just because he's going to enter an even more crowded backfield. So you wonder how he plays in that locker room, and you know I don't I don't know. Um, my final question though uh, is so now we have you know we have the schedule, we have ninety five basically ninety five percent of the roster. I mean, barring some undrafted free agents and. Regular free agents. What record do you see the Jets having this next year? Oh, oh, that that's a dangerous question. That's a <laughs> dangerous, loaded question. I see Twitter. I see Twitter lighting up right now. Um, my, my question. I, I see it already. Uh, my answer to that question is this: is that I think that when you, I think that when you look at the schedule and when you look at what we have now, my personal opinion is. I think that we at least, and I've said it before, I think that we at least go nine and seven, ten and six, okay. at least nine Oof. and seven. And I, w- I would be, I would, I would be disappointed if we didn't, because if you look at the talent that we have on this team, if you look at it, to me, there's no, our defense should be locked hands down. People should rarely even score on us, okay? And this is something that's going to be on top of both too, because. If our defense falters this year with all this talent, the first thing, and I'm, I'm calling it right now, the first thing that people are going to say if our defense is bad is that, hey, Rex did it with next to nobody back there. His secondary was trash. All these guys were garbage, and he still had a very good defense. What is the problem here? That is the first thing that people are going to go. I already see, I'm telling you, I already see the headlines right now. So I'm yeah. looking at our defense. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. You can finish. <laughs> okay. I'm looking at our defense, and I'm saying, hey, we should. I'm looking at our defense, and I'm looking at our offense. As I, as I switch the page, I'm looking at our offense. You got three quality receivers and Brandon Marshall and Decker. Devin Smith is going to be an added guy. The guy that I cannot wait to step in, step up, and I want to see what he does this year is Jason Maru. 
That's five targets right there, five pretty decent, legitimate targets. Our backfield is stacked. I mean, we have our pick of running back at this point. There's guys that aren't going to make the roster that, you know, could be at least number one or two, you know, uh, running backs in other people's, on other people's teams. Our offensive line is, is decent. It's not the best. Uh, that right side is a little questionable, but, but it's decent. Our quarterback That's situation cool. is, yeah, our, our quarterback situation is shaky, but he's surrounded with so much. When you surround, you know, decent or shaky quarterbacks that we have, and you surround them with talent, that, that makes them legitimate, okay. That makes them okay at best. So if we have an okay offense that can at least produce, and you got Chan Gailey, this guy that's a mastermind offensively, probably one of the better coordinators we had in a while, and this defense that just shuts people down, to me that equals a 9-7, and seven, possibly 10-6 and six record, especially when you look at the schedule and see who we play. Uh, what are your thoughts? What do you think that will be uh, that that our record will be? Well, yeah, I, I definitely think that our, you know, our offense is going to give up more points than our defense. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, I think on paper, on paper we have a loaded team, and on paper doesn't necessarily translate all the time. But yeah, you look at it, and we have a very talented roster. I mean, if if the Jets go out and get like Leal Collins or something, and that offensive line then possibly becomes elite. I mean, then I think the roster is complete. Um, and, when, and I, I, I agree with you. I think 9-7, and 10-6, and six, but it seems like what I'm saying every year, um, it always seems like I'm always at that 9-7, and 10-6, but I think this year I actually believe it. And my question to you is, do you think that's good enough in the AFC to, to snag a, a wild card spot? Um, I, I think it is. I think it is good enough in the AFC to snag a wild card spot because um, you're always going to have, you know, the Pats are going to be there. Uh, you know, Denver's going to be there. There's going to be, you know, multiple teams that are going to be there. So I think that is good enough to snag a wild card spot, and I think that might where we actually will swing in. Uh, what are your thoughts, Tyson? You've been pretty silent. I- I'm ready for Twitter to light up for you, too. What are you thinking about our schedule see, next year? Don't sit back and be quiet. I've no, learned, no, see, fine. I've learned I don't make predictions in May because for the following <laughs> five months we get torn to shreds. But, you know, the one thing you got, the one thing you got to, you guys got to keep in mind, too, is that, there's going to be a bit of a learning curve, just a transition of going into Gailey's offense and Todd Bowles' defense. Now the question is whether or not that costs them games. You know, it's not going to be, okay, Bowles is in place for a top three defense, Gailey's in place for a top 15 offense. There's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be mistakes. You know, and, and Todd Bowles, as a head coach, has to learn how to manage games, manage timeouts. You know, there's a lot of – I mean – our expectations are high, but there's a lot of things you've got to keep in mind as well. It's just not – we're assuming a smooth transition on every facet of the team, and history dictates that's not always the case. Now, with that being said, with, this, with the talent on the roster, we should be competitive in every game. We shouldn't experience 45-3 blowouts on the West Coast. We shouldn't get blown out after the bye week. We shouldn't, those things really shouldn't happen. With this defense, we should always remain competitive, especially if we're disciplined. So I'll just say that I think this team is going to be competitive – and I think we'll be playing meaningful games in December, late in the season. Will they make the playoffs or not? I'm not sure. That's going to come down to, Joe, the offensive line and the quarterback. I mean, those are the offensive line is the foundation of your of your team. If that struggles, your team struggles. That's just the way it is. So it, there there is some concern there, but I think that they can they can probably play with anybody. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but do you have a? I know. I know you don't like to give uh, record predictions oh, yeah. in May, but just based off it, what would be? Give me a number. Give me a number of wins. You're, ben, you're killing me, man. We're gonna make you a talk show <laughs> yeah. host. You're killing me, dude. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say, I'll say between eight and nine wins. That's where I'll go. All right. 
All right. <laughs> a little bit above average. I like it. <laughs> ben, before be, before we let you go, man, are you on Twitter? I am. I am. I, I gave the wrong Twitter handle last time you asked me this. I, I said New York, but it's NY. I, I shortened it, so it was NY Jet 7. That, that's kind of my, like the stuff I just do Jets tweets. <laughs> so it's it NY, NY Jet, Jet 7? 7? Yes. And, dude, how, wait, and how old are you again? I'm 15. I turned 15 like a week ago. Well, happy late birthday, man. Dude, you you bring a tremendous amount of knowledge to the table, dude. And I, I love when you call in because not only do you, you drop – you'll name players, but you actually give reasons why you like them or don't like them. And, dude, I completely respect that, what you bring to the table. All right, thank you, man. That <laughs> means a lot. <laughs> no, dude, keep up the good work, man. You're a great Jets fan, and like I said, you'll keep calling in. And, you know, I think everybody's excited about this season. There's a lot of potential. There's a lot of talent. Now it's just up to the coaching staff to get them all in place and, you know, even what Tony Richardson was telling us about, you know, accountability, you know, c- competition, those are all good things. So I think the program's heading in the right direction. Hopefully it all comes to fruition. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think accountability is going to be the word right after Jason Morrow started calling out Rex for it. So, yeah, I think accountability is going to be the main word <laughs> for training camp and stuff. So thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you, man. Have a good night, man. All right, you too. Joe, one of the coolest things about this show, I mean, I, I love talking to other fans because that's just that's the fun of getting the, the, the various opinions of things like that. Our young callers, man, you know, you have him, you have the Kyles, you have Dom. These guys bring the heat every week, and they just know everything. I mean, they know draft picks, you know, past teams. I mean, it's just it's a phenomenal, final time just talking to them. Absolutely, and to know that we have such young Jets fans that are so knowledgeable, just. We're in good hands, man. We're in great hands. Uh, the fandom is in great hands. And I love talking to the fans as well. Everyone knows that I do, especially younger fans. They love to bring the heat, like you said. You know, I've gone back and forth with a lot of people on Twitter about draft picks and, you know, just the team in general. And they were really young and knowledgeable. So I, I love talking to them, and I, I want them to keep calling in, keep bringing the heat to us. Yeah, and, and definitely, we'll definitely make sure we tweet out um, Ben's information. The, the last question we have, and this is part of our mailbag, and, you know, if you want to get a hold of us and want us to address some topic because you can't listen in or tweet in, whatever else, it's at TalkJetsRadio at gmail.com. And it was a very good question. It was, compare this current team right now to the 2010 team. Now, keep in mind, that team went 11-5, and there was some similar pieces in place like Revis and Crow. You know, but Joe, what is your thought on the 2000 team and, and 2010 team? I'm sorry. You know, in and you know, it's a great question because that team went 11 and five. You know, the receivers were Cotchery, Holmes, Braylon. You know, Dustin Keller was a tight end. Running back was Tomlinson and Sean Green. You know, your line, your linebacker, you know, your defensive line included Sean Ellis and Jason Taylor. You know, Bart Scott, all these guys. And then you look at your, you look at the offensive line. You have a younger version of the Brickishaw, a younger version of Mangold. You have Brandon Moore, Damian Woody. So how would you compare the – it's a great question. How would you compare these two teams in terms of how they were then and how we are now heading into the season? Um, I don't know. When you look at these two teams, I mean, there's some, there's some similarities. Um, really good, solid defensive line. Um, I think the Sheldon might be a better tackle than what we had at the time. Can't remember who our D tackle was at that time. Well, I think it was Sione. It wasn't Sione Pua, Sione, Mike Devito. Yeah, Sione Pua. Yeah, I think it was Sione Pua and Mike Devito. I think our rotation is really good. Mike Devito was really good too. But um, I think we'll. I think. I think it's a dominant team on defense again. But I think our offense might be a little better. 
I think our offense might be a little better when you consider that we have Brandon Marshall. Um, you know, we have a speedster, and I think that's what we were missing in 2010. Was we didn't really have a speedster. We didn't have a guy that would take the top off the defense that you had to, like, you know. Um, so I think that when we can go four deep, we still have questions at quarterback, which is crazy. <laughs> that when you look at that team, you had questions at quarterback. We still have a question at quarterback. But I think they match up pretty well. It's almost like when you look at those two teams, they almost mirror each other. It's kind of scary, <laughs> isn't it? What do you think? No? See, and I, and I, I would tend to agree with, disagree with you. Um, okay. And here, here, here's – that offensive line tended to be the strength of the offense. Yeah. Where we don't have that now. So you take – that offensive line was a strength where the defensive line was – was inferior to the one we have this year. So, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I wish we had that offensive line this year, you know, because then we, it kind of complements each other better. So, mm-hmm. you know, to me, and then I think the receiving core, I think we're better. I think, you know, it, you could t- it's kind of like, it's, it's a, just a great question. It makes you really think about it. It's like, okay, you know what, that, their offensive line was better, but our defensive line is better. I think our receivers are better. You know what I mean? you got to kind of mix and match. The linebackers, I mean, are we going to have more production out of, you know, a more more production out of Bart Scott. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm hoping so. Yeah. But you know, it's like you know, it's like it's kind of it's kind of you kind of mix and match. Um, man, it's a tough question. I'm gonna say initially, I think this team has the potential to be better. I think the wide receivers gonna make a difference. I think the secondary is gonna be. I mean, I don't know. That's a tough call too, because you have Remus yeah. and Crow and they're younger. That's a tough yeah. call, man. That's it, a great question for Twitter to, to compare the 2010 team to this team, and there's a lot of pros and negatives on both sides. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. I, I like. I, I kind of agree. I agree with what you were saying. It's it, that that offensive line is is definitely better because I think Damian Woody was on there. Um, I think you had Nick Mangold. You had Nick. You had Damian. You had Brandon Moore. I think Matt Slauson was there too. That that offensive line is possibly better than ours. It's definitely better than ours when you look at it. But I don't know, man. Everywhere else, when you look at it. Because there were a lot of veterans on that players. Our players now are a little bit younger in those positions, especially in our defensive line. Like we said, we have uh, Sheldon Richardson, Moe is still there. It's just, I I don't know. But I do think we have the potential to be better here. But, again, it all really depends on our quarterback and and how, where he takes us. I mean, I I don't know. That is is a really good question. It definitely makes you think. Yeah, no, it's definitely a good question. Like I said, you know, feel free to, you know, send us questions at talkjetsradio at gmail dot com. We'll, we'll try our best to, you know, answer them. And the other, the other question we received was just about concerns, you know, heading into the to the season, which we asked Panda, and you know, we we've kind of discussed already, and you know, and they asked about offensive line and safeties, and I agree. I mean, I think those are both, you know, Eddie Gilchrist is a positive, but who's next to him? And how are they going to play? And the offensive line remains a concern. I mean, we added depth, we added competition, but it still has to come out, and they got to play as a you know cohesive unit and hold the fort for Gino. You know, so you know, it's, it's I think that's the concern. And then the other thing is interesting is you know our good friend uh, Pat's fifty, a Patriots fifty. He's a he's a very good Patriots fan. You know, he he knows his football, he knows his Jets too, which is kind of crazy. He, he talked about our secondary and, like, how we all assume our secondary is going to be so solid. And, and, Joe, it's a fair point because, you know what, Revis and Crow, I mean, Crow, I mean, they're a little bit older. Crow struggled before he left. He had a comeback year in Arizona. Injuries, we understand all of that. 
But we are assuming he's going back to that Pro Bowl level. Revis is still Revis, but we're assuming that Buster Screen is going to be solid than nickel. We're assuming our safeties are going to be playing at a very good level and not blown coverages, covering tight ends, and not taking terrible angles, all these things. Do you think we're assuming too much in the secondary? I don't think we're – I mean, that, that can happen to any team. If you just need to say, well, what if this guy blows the covers, that guy blows the covers. I don't necessarily think we're assuming too much because this team did a lot more with a lot less last year. Um, yeah, Crow, with, with the addition of Revis and Crow, Crow, like like you said, with, with the injuries, that's why he looked the way he did. If you look at what he did in Arizona under the same exact scheme in Todd, with Todd Bowles, uh, he was a he was a pretty productive guy there. Now he's coming here under the same scheme and top bowls. I don't expect him to be less productive. He's a little bit older, but the, his play style and his technique and things like that. And even if he falters, I think our secondary is really deep, and it's filled with guys that are extremely talented. Um, so I don't think we're necessarily overrating our secondary. Um, I think that might be a little bit of the the past coming out, but. I think that we're we're all acknowledging the fact that we have a very solid team. You know, we have we have the best corner in in the league. I mean, you can honestly arguably say he's the best corner in the league, depending on who you want to take. But you can say he's the best corner in the league. We have guys at every single position that or every single position on the defense that are pretty decent. I don't I don't expect this defense to be bad at all. And so I don't think we're overrating the defense at all. We have the hands down probably the best defensive line in the league too. And they showed that last year, and they were undermanned. So, I, I don't think we're I don't think we're overrating our defense. I, I think that we're we're putting in place in them exactly where they need to be. Yeah, it's it's fair. I, I think now it's like the the moves have been made. Now it's up to the coaching staff to get these guys coached up and, and put in the right position to you know be productive. So, it, it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be it's going to be very interesting. We're making a lot of assumptions. I mean, I, and I now I'm guilty of it, especially with Chan Gailey. We're assuming that he can maximize Geno's potential, put together a productive offense. You know, Casey Rogers is a new defensive coordinator. You know, it, there's a lot of assumptions we're making, and I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. It's just reality. First-time head coach, yeah, first-time general. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but, no, I, it's I just, just – like Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Fire away. I, I, just, I just think that it's, it's about being – we finally have something to be excited about. And you know, you know me. I, I'm not a guy that – Jumps out the window. <laughs> I talk to all. I talk to everyone on Twitter. Everyone that hits me up in, in my message. I'm not a fan that's jumping out the window. I'm not saying that we're going to win the Super Bowl. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that it's, it's there's nothing wrong with fans being excited about having a good team or, or being excited about about you know the, the talent that we have here. Finally, I mean, when you look at our draft, why not why not be excited about the team when you look at our draft? Why not be excited about when you look at how many moves and how our front office has a tax free agency and they did everything they needed to do to, to fill holes that we had in our roster. So when you're filling holes the way that we watch them fill holes and you, you watch them move down the draft, why, why shouldn't we be excited? Why shouldn't we expect this team to be a good team? I, I would be, be mind-boggled if we didn't expect our team to play solidly or to have a solid defense because that's already – like I said, we watch them do a lot more with less um, last year under X. I'm not throwing, like, water all over our fires, and I'm not doing any of that. I'm just saying, I mean, let's not go walk out and say 12-4, and four, all this. I'm just saying, there's, we can't assume Todd Bowles is a veteran head coach when he's not. So, mm-hmm. I mean, let this guy do his job. There's going to be learning curves. I mean, you know, there's head coaches that I had to hire, 
you know, time management guys or rules guys just to help them understand all the rules of the game so when they get a penalty flag, they know how to handle it. I mean, time management, game management, all these things have to be learned. And then, you know, mm-hmm. Chan Gailey's got to look at our offense. What am I going to do with this quarterback? So, listen, I agree with the talent. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the season. I'm looking forward to training camp. But we got to keep our eyes open because there are some concerns and there are some challenges that are going to be faced as the season plays out. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I can agree with that. I just, like I said, I, I, I have no issue with fans being excited. Now, when you're jumping out the window and saying wild, crazy stuff, that's when I can't deal with you. But as long as you're excited about the team and you have a certain expectation, then I don't know. I just don't have a problem with that. I definitely do think that we should be a better team this year than we were this year, last year, if you look at the roster. So, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll see how it works. I definitely do agree with you that Todd, he's going to have his, his, you know, his moments. He's going to have his growing pains. But I think that with Gailey in his locker room, who's another guy that was a veteran head coach, that's going to kind of ease that stuff. He's going to already have that time management guy in there, like you said, the guy they hire to help him understand the rules, how to react to calls and what to do. I think he's going to have all those guys hired and because you basically have two guys that were – that one is that is a head coach and one that used to be a head coach that can help each other along. So I'm looking forward to the season, man. I, I can't wait. Dude, I, I agree with you. I'm looking forward to it too, man. But I just, you know, every once in a while, we gotta be the voice of reason around here because all you do is <laughs> yeah. give out free hugs and you give out free hugs and positive <laughs> notes. So I gotta, I gotta keep things real around here. You know what I mean? Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're definitely keeping things real. You're, you're being a Debbie Downer. That's all you're being as usual. Oh, negative Tyson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. Joe, first of all, before before we get started, I, before we end things up, I want to uh, thank Tony Richardson for calling in tonight. I definitely appreciate his time, and we tweeted him out. Please be sure to give him a follow on Twitter and uh, check him out on Facebook. And he does a lot of good work, you know, you know, in, in terms of charitable work and you know, covering the Jets. And also, thank you to our callers too. We always love hearing from the callers, and obviously, our Twitter account is on fire right now. So please, <laughs> we'll do our best to respond to everybody. And uh, Joe, give out your information. Yes, absolutely. Everyone, uh, you know, follow our Facebook page, Long Beach Joe on Facebook. Search that, follow us, um, you know, like our page and get down with our content, listen to our stuff on there. Uh, We have debates on there as well, just, you know, about the draft, about the roster, about expectations, about everything about the team. So, you know, logging in and getting on that too. Uh, My Twitter is youngj000, that's three zeros. You can tweet me, you can follow me, you can troll me, and I will troll you right back. I have no issue with that. Um, I talk to everyone. I I respond to everyone when I have time. It's a lot of people to respond to, but believe me, I will get to you. Um, I also have a YouTube, YoungJ00. Um, I do videos on the Jets. Um, I cover picks as well for throughout the regular season. I also cover our news as well on there. So, you know, subscribe, comment, let me know how you feel over there. You can you can respond to me over there. You can talk to me, and I will talk back. You can troll me over there too, and that's. That's always great. I'll show you back over there as well. And as usual, guys, as always, like Tyson said, it's, it's about free hugs, everyone, okay? I love every single one of the listeners. I like when you guys call in. Can't wait to talk to you guys. My arms are wide open and full of love. I will hug every single one of you. Free hugs, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> yeah, and we want to thank Kevin, too, our producer, who helps us out and deals with all our chaos on Twitter and our you know, our, our phone calls and everything else. We want to thank Kevin and 
you know, another show in the books, and we have a couple guests lined up in the next couple weeks. Hope you guys enjoy them, from players to analysts to all kinds of things. So be sure to keep in touch. Watch us on Twitter and on Facebook, and uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.